This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening. You're listening to Sharmila Ganesan and Lee Chuilin. Tonight, should constituency funds for MPs be cut? This is part of a larger move towards austerity uh, when it comes to the government. So first, we're going to speak with a political economist uh, to explain how austerity measures like these will impact the economy and our country's development. And then later on, we'll be catching up with an MP about how this might affect them. So tell us, what do you think of MPs getting their constituency funds cut by 2 million ringgit? You can call 77332900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. This is Inside Story. is 608 and ever since this current government came into place austerity really has been a big thing to talk about right so for instance last year they announced that they will be cutting salaries across the board for um, ministers and and MPs by 20% Um, and then on Friday um, the Prime Minister Dato Sri Anwar Ibrahim confirmed that the constituency funds for MPs will be reduced by close to 70% down from 3.8 million to 1.8 million. So this is going to be done um, in stages. And if you look at how that 1.3 shakes out, the amount is going to be a 1 million ringgit outright grant and then another 300,000 for service centre operations. The idea here is to better control the country's finances. Um, And these are the development allocations for MPs that are generally coordinated by the district and land office and state development officer. So if that 1.3 sounds like not a lot. Um, And we'll get to that because some MPs definitely are arguing that it's insufficient. Um, Then there there is also the possibility for additional allocations to be extended if there were pressing needs, such as, for example, repairing infrastructure. Uh, The expectation here, and also what the PM has said, is that allocations would increase once the economy improves. Now, there is going to be a retreat this Sunday in Putrajaya with 148 MPs from the government bloc. Um, And this will be a briefing session. Uh, This is something that uh, is expected to be discussed further at the uh, retreat. However, we are already getting responses, as you said, from a number of MPs. Uh, So, for instance, a a Pakatan Harpan backbencher has said that these cuts will cause them difficulty in fulfilling the request of NGOs because uh, this particular funding will impact how much there is left to uh, allocate to the various causes and that MPs will now need to be selective in the activities that they want to uh, support. So some of the examples they gave were funding NGOs, for instance, yes. or being able to build public amenities, being able to, to you know, just the usual things that you would expect the government to be able to fund and support. And... It is also, I think, pretty clear, just if you look at that, that some some constituencies will be much harder hit than others. Uh, So rural communities in particular, or or constituencies that already were playing catch-up and now are going to be hurt by a level playing field. So, uh, for instance, the president of Parti Bansa Dayak Sarawak, Bobby William, uh, said you know, exactly this, that he's concerned that this will affect rural communities that are undeveloped and without basic infrastructure and facilities, um, especially in Sarawak, where there are numerous constituencies like this, because rural communities do rely on MP allocations for projects like village roads, community halls, even water supply, welfare assistance, and those are all crucial things. And 
if we're looking at the size of how, who, the size of these constituencies and how they'll be impacted, um, I think just to paint a picture, many rural constituencies in Sarawak are actually bigger than some states in Peninsular Malaysia, uh, including Hulu Rajang, which is actually as big as Pahang. Yeah, I think it's not surprising that Sabah and Sarawak is coming up a lot. Uh, for instance, Kota Belut MP Isna Raisa Munira Majlis uh, said that these sorts of cuts are not in line with efforts to bridge the developmental gaps as per ME63. Um, so, it, I mean, it is, it is an interesting one as far as austerity measures go. Um, but I think that it does feel like um, there is more to be done in terms of engaging with MPs and perhaps trying to understand how these sorts of cuts have different impacts in different parts of the country. Yeah, and what it is that we're cutting, right? Um, because I, I I hesitate to say that this is full-blown austerity, right? That, that we're seeing something that is as severe as we've uh, witnessed in other countries. But typically, um, austerity measures have not always worked. Um, so Greece is a pretty famous example. Um, at the height of their 2009 crisis, it ended up getting exacerbated by austerity measures. Um, youth unemployment rose to, at the time, 54.9%. The GDP was cut by 6.9%. So we, I don't think, are at the point where we're talking about austerity measures in relation to the economy. Uh, these austerity measures relate at the moment to our government spending and development. But it's still kind of an interesting correlation. And while we have been talking about rural communities, Siemens on WhatsApp is already coming in to say, Damansara has 100,000 voters. So on average, everyone gets 10 ringgit each. That's actually quite um, quite a galling way to look at it, isn't it? I was thinking about that because the, the argument... So if you're talking about rural communities that are very large, like Hulu Rajang, it's a valid argument because that's a lot of infrastructure that is as yet not in place that requires development. So that's one way of looking at it, right? Where you're not talking about population, you are talking about space that requires infrastructure. But in the question of Damansara, which is an, by all measures an affluent constituency, but a very, very heavily populated one, mm. how do you do that math? Well, we are going to be looking at this uh, for the next hour and a little bit more. Uh, but we're talking about proposed cuts to constituency funding. And we're asking you, what do you think of MPs getting their funds cut by 2 million ringgit? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we'll be speaking with political economist Dr. Firdausi Sufian. So keep it here on Inside Story, BFM eighty nine point nine. Be firmly motivated, BFM eighty nine point nine. It is 6.15. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn, and we're talking about a proposal from the PM that constituency funds for MPs be cut by 2 million ringgit. And so we are asking you, what do you think of this? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now on the line is political economist Dr. Firdausi Sufian. Dr. Firdausi, good to have you with us. Hey, hi. Thank you for inviting me. So we've spent um, some time talking about this decision, um, both the fact that the cabinet salaries have been cut by 20%, as well as this potential reduction in constituency allocations. Talk to us about the rationale behind these moves. Well, if you look at it, it's something which is good. It's part of the government reducing the spending. 
especially the cutting MP salaries. So it's a good solidarity move and also commitment to cut government spending, which is something uh, commendable. Yeah, And then cutting salary also to show to the people that feel the hardship, especially after the pandemic-induced crisis. Yeah? So, um, look, um, Malaysia has a budget deficit for more than two decades. So reducing this uh, reduced budget deficit is something we have to start somewhere. To start somewhere, of course, we have to cut some of we have to cut spending. So cutting the uh, MP salary and also the potential reductions of the constituency, I think they're going to reduce it. Yeah. So this is where we can start with. So uh, this is also part what uh, you know is an austerity measure. Uh, well, the entire exercise of austerity is to reduce budget deficit and, of course, uh, cutting government spending, which is now we witness this too currently. Yeah? So <clears throat> when we talk about uh, budget uh, when we talk about austerity measure, all right, they have, we have to be very careful with this. Uh, well, it's good that you cut the, um, cut the MP salary for now, all right? Um, but, uh, you know, in the process of economic recovery and also uh, uh, the global headwind that won by uh, IMF and World Bank, which is currently we are facing right now, all right, so uh, this is something very tricky because when you want to recover or, you know, uh, resuscitate the economy, so you the government needs to spend, right? Austerity means uh, you have to cut spending. So you, so technically you can't do more with less. So this is the problem that we are facing. Right? When you when we want to cut budget, want to cut spending, yeah. So by the same time, we know that we have to uh, you know bring back our economy because of the pandemic-induced crisis, which has heavily tanked our economy for the past two years. I mean, even right now, right. So it's quite quite counterintuitive. So how we want to do that, this is something which is very challenging. So currently what we see is that uh, we, we have yet to see uh, what will be the budget like, right? I know the budget will be presented this month, I think 24th, if I'm not mistaken. So um, uh, cutting the salary, number one, and also reducing the uh, uh, constituency allocation, perhaps it's a... Uh, it's it's a good start, yeah. So, uh, but at the same time, when we talk about austerity, so the government need to be very very strategic. Yeah, it cannot be a blanket cutting, uh, spending uh, for the entire government, right? So there are a few things that we cannot simply cut. So number one, for instance, like education, healthcare, and other spending on welfare. Right, so this this should have a ring fence, right? So you cannot simply just uh, say, look, okay, uh, austerity. So when we cut the, uh, we we want to uh, reduce budget deficit, we want to uh, cut spending, then therefore we cut all this uh, key uh, sector in the in in the country. No, you cannot simply do that, right? So we need to spend strategically. So now uh, a lot of people talk about food, right? So when you talk about food, so if you have an austerity measure, I mean to say you cannot spend much, but we all know that all of us here are experiencing food inflation, right? 
So this food inflation is something which is very serious. So I think it's around 7% right now. So uh, previously, if you look at it, if you look at the data, it increases not by months, but, you know, even weeks, right? So uh, this is why the government needs to focus. So to focus on the food sector, so they need to expand agro-food industry. So to spend on agro-food industry, like technology, R&D, and then uh, bring more investors, of course, all this associated to other chain and also the ecosystem of food sector, then you need to invest. But, you know, austerity sometimes will hinder you to do that, right? So, uh, so there are a few things that we have to uh, look at it strategically, number one, and we cannot simply just cut the entire uh, spending just like that. But there are a few things that we can look at. Perhaps the government uh, might probably want to uh, focus on that something that can reduce uh, government spending and also the budget deficit. Because, you know, budget, budget deficit is something which is very serious for the past, you know, close to 23 years, we have um, uh, budget deficit. Yeah, Number one, perhaps the re- rationalizing the subsidies. I think before this, there's so many discussion. You want to have a targeted subsidy, which is can be done, but it's not easy. All right. But it has to start somewhere because we have to remember previously we spent around what? 77.8 billion uh, ringgit Malaysia to reduce uh, uh, food prices and we put ceiling as well. So do, so do we, uh, th- does it solve the problem? It looks like it did not, right? So because uh, right now where I live right now, so in Sabah, we still have shortage of eggs, right? And also chicken as well, right? So it doesn't really help. So if it doesn't help with the subsidies, then something, to, so it has to focus on the supply side, which is to uh, expand the sector. To expand the sector, then meaning to say you need more, you need to attract more investor. To attract more investor, you need to have a proper infrastructure. And also you have to show that the government is spending enough for um, expanding the agro sector so that it can help with our food industry. Right. So another one I think is that is obvious. A lot of I mean it's always in the media. People talk about leakages. So um, we we know that sometimes uh, subsidies is subsidies is important. Right? I'm not saying that it's completely not important, but it shouldn't be. Uh, you know, it usually it serves as uh, antibiotic, right? So you cannot depend so much on it for a very long time. So and we also know the problem of subsidy always associated with leakages, right? So this is the problem that uh, we have in Malaysia too. So this is what we need to tackle leakages. So uh, these are the, the right thing that we should focus at, all right? Before we talk about austerity measures, so these are the things that we have to look at. Number two, because usually when we want to reduce government spending strategically, right, there are things like uh, procurement, the government procurement. So we have to cut this. Right. Uh, sorry, uh, we have to be more open and transparent with procurement processes. So therefore, we, we, we can get a reasonable price for government, uh, you know, uh, government spending. So these are the things that, you know, we, we have to look at. So if we bring it back to the point about... On the other uh, hand, uh, austerity measure is not needed. We want to reduce government. Yeah, sorry. So sorry, I think that our line with you is a little bit poor. Um, I think you were uh, going to continue about government spending. 
Yeah, yeah, government spending. Yeah, I mean, another one is is the the windfall tax. So we have to focus on that as well. So, uh, because before this, we don't really see the government. You know, for the past two years, we don't see government really have a bold windfall tax. So perhaps this one, the government need this time, this time around. Perhaps they have to be bold enough to have a windfall tax to tax company that really make money. For instance, like the palm oil. Uh, company, which they make a lot of money, right? so they can't. I mean, the government can't have to be bold enough to tax them. Yeah. So various huh. MPs yeah. have actually spoken out against these austerity measures, particularly the constituency cuts. Uh, you touched on this a little bit earlier, but could you talk to us about the particular challenges that, especially rural constituencies, would have with these measures in place? Yeah, I think the one that really outspoken is the one uh, YB Muniva from Sabah. Obviously, because, you know, when you cut uh, the development budget for the constituency, I think state like, you know, Sabah, Sarawak, which rely uh, a lot from this uh, uh, this budget for development. Although the uh, the initial budget was 3.8 million. Now they reduced to 1.9. Uh, immediately reduced it based on stages. Number one, number two. Also, uh, it's like uh, they also um, you can also apply more if you want. Uh, it depends because it depends on the pressing needs. If you really need more, then therefore you can apply, right? But I guess uh, this is something that um, um, a, a lot of MP actually talk about now. State like Sabah, Sarawak, and or even in uh, in peninsula. That matter, yeah, like in Kelantan or Trengganu. So this one, you, the, those constituencies, of course, they need the money to help. Even though three point million, I think for the whole year, if I'm not mistaken, so it's not really enough. Yeah, uh, but uh, it's important, especially this time around when you need, uh, re, when you need to re, uh, when you need to uh, re, <clears throat> need to solve the economic problem, especially in your constituency area, which is related a lot of it related to you know infrastructure especially in rural area that, you know, you need those money to help, you know, build bridges, roads, right, and other uh, infrastructure issues. So my, probably that is quite significant, see, uh, for, uh, for, for rural area. So I guess uh, this is the, uh, the challenge. So this is, this is the challenge. When you want to cut budget, so this is the, the, this is the problem that you have. So a lot of MP will come out and, you know, disagree with this, uh, this, uh, this move. So perhaps, you know, even if you want to reduce this budget, like I say, you want to, uh, you have to spend strategically, perhaps. So the Ministry of Rural Development might probably need that for this, especially for uh, rural uh, development, number one. And number two, see, I think it's about time we look at, because the government, federal government, it, uh, it's so centralized when it comes to their functions. Yeah, so perhaps we have to look at some of decentralization. Where this let the state, uh, government, all right, uh, solve their problem, all right. Because um, if you decentralize, so somehow your burden of um, financial burden is lesser, right? So now you will put the burden on the state government. Probably can uh, help in terms of. Um, the rural uh, development 
uh, aspect as well. So might probably have to think towards this one because you know nowadays um, develop uh, a lot of uh, Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim will talk about the importance of uh, decentralization, starting with Sabah and Sarawak under the MS63. So might probably have to start to look into this decentralization. Of course, when we talk about this decentralization. And against the backdrop of cutting budget, it's also a burden for the state government. But probably slowly, gradually, yeah, uh, they, they can't um, <clears throat> use their own fund, all right, and let them have let them tax as well, all right. So perhaps we have to start somewhere. So this could probably help uh, uh, the to, to reduce the burden of the federal government. But this is not something easy. Uh, in other experiences from other countries as well, when you look at some of those uh, data that they have, it's not something easy. All right. Uh, one hand, you want to uh, on one hand you want to cut budget. On the other hand, you want to spend. Like what I say just now, you want to do more, but with less. It's a bit difficult to do that, isn't it? Right. So that's why it has to be strategic, spending strategically, cutting. Uh, strategy, cutting government spending strategically as well. Because, if, for instance, uh, say, um, I think the one that they, uh, I think it's a good example when you don't have those uh, big celebrations, those eventful program. Yeah. So I guess that one is, is a good measure as well to show that, you know, you cut budget strategically. Right. So um, going back to this question again, so when you want to cut, uh, when you go back to this question again, of course, it's something that might probably have to do it gradually. I mean, if you cut blanket, immediately reduce to 1.3 million, I guess it's, uh, it's, it's, it's tough, especially at the rural area where there's a pressing need, especially this time around. Dr. Ferdowsi, we do need to take a break, but we will continue our conversation with you after this. Um, we're talking about the uh, constituency funds for MPs being cut by 2 million ringgit. Um, and we're asking you, what do you think of this? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note at 018-789-8899 or WhatsApp us. You can also tweet us at BFM Radio and keep it here, BFM 89.9. Buggy free minimum, BFM. 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.38. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we are continuing our conversation on um, austerity cuts that the Prime Minister has been making. The most recent one involves cuts to constituency funds. Um, so MPs will be getting 2 million ringgit less. Uh, we've been asking you, what do you think of this? You can call us double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, or tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, we are continuing our conversation with Dr. Firdausi Sufyan, who is a political economist. So, Dr. Firdausi, earlier you outlined why. Um, these measures are particularly challenging for rural constituencies. Um, to pick up from there, how should the government take these sorts of challenges into consideration when implementing austerity measures? Well, this is something which is very tough, especially, uh, you know, <clears throat> we're still in the recovery process. Yeah, So to resuscitate the economy, Obviously, you need to spend, and especially it's not just urban who are impacted by the COVID-19 and struggle with finances, but it's also the rural area. So the rural area, of course, they need more money, they need more budget. Yeah. So um, uh, this is quite tough. So again, uh, when we talk about austerity, it has to be a ve- very strategic. 
Right? So if it's rural area, then what sort of problem that we have to look at? So when it comes to, you know, now we talk about digital uh, digitalization, then you then uh, we need to spend on the, you know, telecommunication and then also the internet infrastructure ecosystem for them. So that one, you, you need money. And of course, talk about access. And every rural constituency, all right, they have a different template of uh, development. There's no such thing, you know, it's not really a kind of blanket thing. So we have, so we need, we need to sit down with all the uh, district officer. <clears throat> we need to sit down with all the state government, actually, uh, what sort of things that you actually want? What sort of thing that actually good for the people? Because the, through through that process, yeah, through that consultation, soliciting the people, that at least you know how much money that, what sort of thing that you actually want. I guess this is very important, uh, you know, especially rural area, you know, big, cons- uh, you know, b- uh, rural area like you know for Sabah and Sarawak, so it's so big, yeah. So it's different. So every constituency, every rural area have a different need and uh, that different approach of uh, solving their issue. So I guess in the end of the day, uh, against the backdrop of austerity measure, it's very tough. You want to cut, but again, you need to spend. So the best thing is, is always to have a strategic plan and look at it, what sort of things that we need to prioritize. Yeah? So from there, then perhaps there are things that, you know, have previously taken for granted. All right, right now, okay, uh, we uh, at least you have a priority list. So what sort of things that you have to do first? So this perhaps could help at least. And if we broaden the conversation to look at austerity measures and how they impact the economy as a whole, not not necessarily in relation to this issue of constituency spending, in your view, um, are austerity measures effective at reducing government debt, um, you know, relative to Keynesian measures, which would instead seek to increase government spending? Uh, This is, um, again, um, this is something um, which is uh, quite tough, yeah? So um, on one hand, when you want to reduce spending, but uh, when you want to cut budget, so basically you have to cut spending. You cut government spending. When you cut government spending, means they also cut uh, a, a lot of um, uh, you know a, a lot of things, uh, including some of the function or non-essential function of the government. So cutting means also they don't employ much people. Right. So they, when they don't employ people, so this is, uh, you know, you could increase, uh, you, you could cause unemployment as well. So cutting spending also, well, as you all know, that the GLC depend on the government as well. And, you know, before this, based on the budget 2023 that we had uh, last year, so the uh, GLC play a very important role, you know, helping uh, employment. But, you know, if you cut budget, then therefore, how can they do that? How they want to, you know, um, help to expand uh, uh, more employment opportunity for the people, right? So this is something which is quite tough, right? Uh, I think when we look at, uh, there are many examples. If you look at, you know, the, Greece is a very good example. Previously, when they cut budget, so therefore, the civil service, so it reduces the government role to employ more people, all right? So this is um, uh, even in German as well. Before this, what called the Angela Merkel model, so they cut a lot of they, they, they 
cut a lot of uh, government non-essential fun- non-essential functions. They don't employ a lot of people, and then they also uh, start to look at which is very sensitive part, which is the pension scheme, right? So then they um, uh, and also um, they start to tax a lot of uh, t- tax a lot on company. So um, it is uh, on one. This is it is not something easy for the policymaker right now. Yeah, if you want to uh, come up with austerity, austerity measures, but at the same time you want to uh, re, uh, you want to help resuscitate the economy, and then so these are the things they have to look at. You know, you really really have to sit down and look at it. What are the things that they want to do, and the priority how to re, how to recover the economy. So is it then possible that we could gain more investor confidence from austerity measures uh, and therefore increase our GDP because of that increased investment? Well, um, when you want to increase investment, basically you have to be friendly, uh, investor-friendly. When you're investor-friendly, then you have to start to relax your tax, all right? Then you you must have certain threshold of uh, you know infrastructure facility for the investor, right? Um, so again, you need to... So, um, I, I, the moment when you have an austerity measure, if you don't spend, then you must come out with a different policy, such as uh, you know more relaxed uh, tax. Uh, perhaps this one could you know perhaps could um, attract more investor. But on one, because uh, when you have austerity measure, right, uh, you spend less, but at the same time, you want to reduce deficit, but you have to spend on other area. Perhaps this is where we talked about earlier. You look at the windfall tax, which is like you know palm oil and other oil uh, and other energy company. Yet the other sector, for instance, like you know we want to improve our agro food. Yeah, so we can have more foreign investor to come in, perhaps with a more relaxed, uh, relaxed uh, procedure and also tax to help increase investment so you can at the same time but at the, uh, but at the same time you have to look at it very strategically dr firdasi thanks for speaking with us today all right thank you that was political economist dr firdasi sufian uh, speaking to us about well the starting point of the conversation was the constituency constituency funding that is going to be cut for MPs, um, but then we also expanded that to look at how these austerity measures, in a larger sense, whether they work or not. Um, and so keep your thoughts coming. What do you think of MPs getting their constituency funds cut by two million ringgit? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp to zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, or tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be back after this for your messages. So keep it here on Inside Story, BFM eighty nine point nine. Beating Fickle Mindsets, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is just coming up to 6.49. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we're talking about uh, the PM wanting to cut MPs' constituency funds uh, from 3.8 million to 1.8 from. Hang on, I'm getting the numbers wrong. Yes, 3.8 million to 1.8 million. To 1.8 million. So a cut of 2 million ringgit. Um, And so we're asking you, what do you make of that? You can call 777-332-900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. We have some messages coming in. 
Well, um, Ritza is wanting to know how much does each constituency get each year? Are there any constituencies that don't fully utilise their drawdown budget? Do we have statistics for transparency? So um, just to reiterate then, previously... Uh, it was 3.8. Now it's going to be cut uh, pretty significantly to 1.8. Um, in answer to are there constituencies that don't fully utilise, that's interesting. I'm not certain. Um, I, and I, I think that we need to do a bit of research to figure out where we would get the reporting on this. Yes, and uh, we will be speaking to an MP uh, later on in the show. So that's perhaps something that we could also put to him. To, I think uh, we will, yes. Yeah, to ask um, you know, how, how this reporting mechanism and what we have in place. Um, but I think that is a fair point because these are public funds, of course. And what is the mechanism for transparency? Um, we have Gayatri saying, on funding cuts, we shouldn't have to depend on MPs to get roads in our constituencies. That should be the function of public works. But constituency allocations have been politicised. If we're objective, we can gradually move towards local council elections and let state governments allocate budget for local representatives. This makes more sense, especially with much of the budget going to infrastructure and community-related spendings. Allocations for MPs can focus on other, broader, constituency-wide expenses. So in the long term, opting for rationalising allocations, which may or may not cut the amounts. Um, Gayatri, you know, some excellent points there. I'm not sure if you caught our the first half of our interview where Dr. Firdausi Sufyan said that this decentralising of funding, while important and absolutely necessary, is also something that needs to be done gradually. And uh, especially when it comes to constituencies that... Uh, lag behind when it comes to development. In some ways, I feel that Gayathri's um, point is related to Ridza uh, in the sense that we're talking not just about... I, I know that Gayathri's point is more to do with... Uh, how to spend and spend properly, how to allocate and allocate properly. But I think that if we had systems that were fully transparent and that we trusted and mm. that we knew we could easily translate into different forms, uh, for instance, if it became more local council based and so on, and we knew that the reporting systems were, were clear cut and so on, um, and this was widely available to the public, perhaps this would be more palatable for most or, or easier to, to get going. And that point about the allocations being politicised is a really relevant one, right? Because things like roads and um, lampposts or whatever, uh, fixing drainage should not have to be a should not have to be something to win political points over. It should be something that every constituency gets as a matter of right. Meanwhile, uh, we also have this from Manupriyan who says the government can cut spending and salaries all they want. It's not going to make any difference if corruption is still in play. Cutting con constituency spending is going to lead to degrading infrastructure. Surprise, surprise, the Rakyat pays again. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is a concern that's been expressed um, in a number of ways. Uh, the fact that in a system that we don't necessarily have the fullest confidence in, uh, these sorts of measures may only contribute to worsening the issue. Um, I don't know necessarily that talking about austerity measures is a bad thing. I just think it really depends on how it's translated onto the ground. And to be clear, um, it's austerity measures in relation to, uh, in this case, government government pay and fund uh, government pay and development. Um, I just want to be very clear because we're we're throwing words like austerity around it, and it's not as if this is translating into larger economic policy. Yes. That's not what we're discussing today. Uh, but yeah, I I agree that there's a trust deficit here, and. 
again, I don't know why I'm relating everybody's messages, but to Gayathri's point earlier about the fact that MPs shouldn't be the ones that we rely on for roads. Similarly, we shouldn't look at this and immediately go, well, how are we going to pay for this? Even though that is 100% how it's being translated and for good reason. Well, Sabrina says, My MP in Kuala Pila was hardly seen on the ground in 2021-2022. I wrote to his office to fund several community projects, but he never even bothered replying formally. His people apologised profusely on his behalf. I had to use my own creativity and wage to run my projects. So I don't think cutting allocations to my constituency is going to change my life or plans (laughs) for the community. What the government should do is to cut the MP's wages by 90%. Avoid leakages like corruption, spending on food, banners, frills, for instance, T-shirts, balloons, badges and souvenirs. You know, this is something that unfortunately we hear about a lot and I'm curious to know, uh, or rather I'm worried about how it's going to be now with allocations being cut. Mm. Particularly because um, that point about NGOs and and, uh, community projects has been highlighted, that that may be where the, that might take the brunt of it. Meanwhile, Mr. Kiasu, um, Mr. Kiasu, who asked to go by Mr. Kiasu, to be clear, says, uh, I believe the allocation cut is temporary. It's fine while we write economic uncertainty. Let's get through this tough period first. Which seems to be the thinking behind this, right? I mean, I don't know about it being temporary. That's not been made clear. Uh, well, yes, it has. Because ah. the Prime Minister did say... Yes, that, he did say, yeah, yes. That as the economy recovers, um, the allocations should rise, in, yes. you know, correspondingly. Yeah, Which would make sense in terms of... Um, in terms of this being something, sort of a tightening of belts for now. Mm. Um, but then what that means in terms of projects that are on the ground now, I'm not very sure. Uh, but do keep those thoughts coming. What do you make of uh, MPs getting their constituency funds cut by 2 million ringgit? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp to 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. In the meantime, some music. Here's Velvet Underground with Who Loves the Sun. BFM 89.9. Better Finance Management. BFM 89.9. It is 7.07. You're listening to Inside Story with Charmila and Lynn. And we've been asking you, what do you think of MPs getting their constituency funds cut by 2 million ringgit? You can call 777-332-900, send a voice note or WhatsApp to 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. We have a number of thoughts that have come in. So uh, we have this from Lok, which I think is in reference to the fact that earlier people were were not for the cuts, saying that it's only us that will suffer with degrading infrastructure and so on. So Lok says, when things don't happen, we say there's no political will. When things happen, we complain. How? Take a look um, at you know some other large budgets that are within the government. Well, the second part of that is perhaps not a bad suggestion. Um, and yes, I, I, I think... Um I think sometimes with these policies, it really does matter how they pan out. And on early days, um, I think the the rationale is important. Transparency is important. And then it is really the execution, isn't it? More than just in an announcement of what it is. Yes. And um, I, I also, again, want to clarify that while it's likely going to happen. It's already been much talked about. People have been responding to it. The full details of it haven't really emerged and they are only going to happen at a they're calling it a retreat, at a retreat this Sunday um, in Putrajaya with 148 MPs from the government bloc. Um, it's, no, I think, notable as well that this is right before Parliament is going mm. to convene. But anyways, uh, so 
Once that happens, it's expected to be a pretty lengthy back and forth and briefing and so on and so forth. So after that, we'll have more details, I think, on how exactly it's going to be carried out. We do have a message that was sent in from Saifol who says, um, this is something that's on my mind. Earlier during the PNBN rule, I kept hearing stories of how the opposition MPs don't have an allocation for them. This is worrying because whether it's going to be 1.8 million allocated to all or is this going to be as before? Um, and we can see that because, uh, and we can see that sometimes in certain areas that are ruled by opposition MPs, development was bad, the roads were terrible. And when you cross into another area where the MPs from the government side, all the roads were very clean. It's not the problem of um, uh, an MP or a different MP. It's whether the distribution is done equally. Not sure. I, I mean, I think that this is a very good question. My knee-jerk reaction was to say that it's to all. But I recognise that that is a holdover from the... Um, from the MOU days, after the MOU was signed, in which we did actually see this agreement and, and allocations were more fairly distributed. So at the moment, I mean, we could look that up. I don't think, however, based on our reading, that there is clarity on who the MPs are that this allocation is for. Ravin is saying, 2 million ringgit savings from each of the 222 MPs. That's a huge savings of 444 million. Wow. Wow, indeed. <laughs> Anyway, keep those thoughts coming. Um, what do you think of the two million ringgit constituency, uh, two million ringgit cut to MP constituency funds? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we'll be hearing from an MP about how this impacts them. Uh, we'll be speaking with Wong Chen, who is MP for Subang. So keep it here, BFM eighty nine point nine. Breathe freely. Malaysians, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 7.12, you're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn, and we've been asking you, what do you think of MPs getting their constituency funds cut by 2 million ringgit? Do keep sending your thoughts through. You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us. Now, to hear from uh, an MP himself, we have joining us on the line MP for Subang, Wong Chen. How are you feeling about these cuts to the constituency allocations? Uh, mixed feelings, of course. Um, number one, uh, I do understand fully why the government is doing it. Presumably, the budget that is going to be tabled on the 24th will reflect the, uh, no, I wouldn't say dire, but not conducive uh, fiscal position. Therefore, there is a requirement to reduce expenses. Uh, on the other hand, we are... You know, I mean, I've been in politics for 10 years. We've seen the level of civil service, uh, uh, you know, quality of of repairs on infrastructure and needs of the people. They are not the best. So there is a requirement for intervention by the members of parliament to give grants to uh, the community to get repairs, uh, infrastructure repairs done much faster and better. So there is pros and cons. I understand why. And I fully support the idea that as member of parliament, we're not there to uh, distribute money like Santa Claus. We're actually there to legislate, uh, deal with policy and approve the budget. Those are our core work. Uh, you know, but we do have, uh, we're kind of bogged down with community, uh, you know, managing the money and distributing uh, the fund. Uh, for example, I've got three officers in my office. Two of them are full-time just managing this kind of thing. Uh, you know, the, the community fund, whereas I should be pushing them to look at policy more. 
So just to expand on that and, and to, I guess, paint a better picture, talk to us about where these sorts of funds tend to go within your constituency. How are they used? How are they allocated? Yeah, okay. So we're, we're extremely transparent and accountable on, on this front. What we do is uh, the, the money is actually $3.5 million. The 300000 extra is only for office expenses. So the community fund is only 3.5. 1.5, this is in for year 2022, last year, 1.5 are grants. So for grants, we sort of allocate 40% of that block to the uh, to the poor in my area. So if you are having welfare issues or you need support financially, we do dispense around 200 to 500 ringgit per constituent or per family. Uh, the balance goes to the residents' association, the mosques, the temples, uh, what we call association grants, which we have about 300 in our area. So we tend to give around two to 3,000 ringgit. Everybody gets the same amount depending on how we manage the budget. But the big out item is called Project Masur Rakyat. And those are projects for community. And that's about 2 million a year. And this year, that 2 million has been reduced to zero. The community grant uh, of 1.5 million has been reduced to 1 million. So uh, how we spend that Masra Rakyat 2 million is we divide it up with the um, schools or the PIBGs. All the school gets equal allocation. My area, I have 51, actually 50 schools in my area. So it's quite easy to do the maths. They all get 40,000 on average. Uh, So that's how we do it. And we don't appoint contractors we give it to the PIBG to manage the money. They decide what they want to do. They appoint the contractor. All we do is we get the reports back from them so that, uh, you know, we have a very efficient way of distributing this and it's pretty fair and transparent. So you say you have transparency in place, but we have a couple of people messaging in uh, to actually ask about whether this is a practice, whether there are compulsory reporting mechanisms. So Ridza, for instance, says, um, do you have any statistics on transparency? Andrew is uh, asking, how is there proof that it's not going into their own pocket? Uh, Ridza also wants to know whether there are constituencies that don't fully utilise their drawdown budgets. Well, constituencies, generally they, they belong to association. We don't give to individuals, except if they're extremely poor or they're having you know, economic hardship. And even then, they have to come up here and get interviewed and, and we assess and we check their, their bank balance and we get their bank account. Things like that, that's what we do uh, to, uh, to, you know, to, to support the constituent, individual constituents. So what we encourage in Supang is that you join an association, whether it's residence association, Rukun Tatanga, or Mosque Committee, or PIBG, and that's where we give equal allocation for funding. Now, other, what other MPs do is really, it's, you know, it's, it's their discretion. Uh, for us, we, we just find it much easier to deal with, deal with everybody uniformly. Uh, so I don't, don't have to go around and explain why someone got 5,000 and someone else got 1,000. Everybody gets the same amount, right? So, so we like it like that because, again, this is not our core job. Our core job is to, member, to be members of parliament doing the laws, legislation, uh, policy and also budget. Uh, so this is this is a it is a task. I mean, but I do understand they do need this. You know, for instance, we got schools where the roof has collapsed and they've been waiting two years for the Ministry of Education to approve their their budget. So you can't expect the school not to operate or operate without with one or two classroom less. So this is where we come in quickly and say, look, here's your forty thousand every year. You do it. You decide. Yeah. So, so we find it easy like that. We don't do any Hari Raya, Chinese New Year. We don't spend money on, on, on throwing parties. So, but these, these things that we do, 
it's really decided by my office, with my officers and my volunteers, how we prioritize how to spend things. And then we publish everything uh, every six months so you can see how we spend the money. So what areas of development are likely to suffer from these cuts? How are we going to see things change? Okay, firstly, I, I, at the fundamental level, members of parliament shouldn't be dispersing money, right? But everyone, the constituents, are, have expectations. So they expect, you know, me to sign a cheque for 30000 for the school next this year or 40000 this year. So we have to manage the expectations. So when you do a cut like this, it is ideal that they cut it by 30% every year. So after three years, you are down to zero, right? But the government must actively go out there and, and inform people that the members of parliament budget has been cut and that to expect us to stop dispersing money. Yeah? The other thing is, of course, on the other hand, then the ministries that have to repair this kind of thing, they got to perform better. I mean, people can't wait for two years for you to approve repairs to school. I mean, many schools in Malaysia, not just Subang, operate on, you know, very lax uh, bomba guidelines even, right? I mean, the bell doesn't work. There's no, there's no extinguisher. Uh, you know, things like this These are serious. I mean, toilets are, are broken. <laughs> so, um, I, I wouldn't say there are specific spending priorities. It's just that you need to be on the ground to listen to what, what the constituents really need. And to me, education is important, So, and that's the non-contentious uh, gift or grant to them. So I prefer that route. You know, if I give to a mosque or give to a, a church or a temple, there might be issues involved. But if you give to school, nobody quarrels with you. So there's a message from Pearl um, who's referring to why are MPs fixing roads? Isn't this under JKR? But to relate that to what you just said in terms of schools and, and uh, facilities and amenities as well, should all these be coming from the MPs' budget in the first place? Okay, so you have to be very clear here. Uh, this constituency budget from Putrajaya for federal MPs is theoretically for federal buildings. So the roads are mostly state roads or council roads. So we do not use this money for, at least from my office, we do not use this money for repairing roads. You know, we try to stick to the concept that this is federal money, so therefore it should benefit federal institutions. So education schools are being uh, federal institutions, so then we, we channel the money there. You are absolutely right, Paul. We don't, we shouldn't be fixing roads and long Kang and all this. All those is the, is the work of the MPSJ at least in, in, in Subang, right? Uh, to some extent, if these are government, federal, uh, state government property, so they also have the obligation to do so. So in those kind of circumstances, people come up here and complain about things. We usually pick up the phone and call the councillor or the mayor to do it. Uh, sometimes we issue surat warning, surat sokongan, uh, asking them to act faster or to, to, get, to at least give a reply to the constituents. A lot of people don't understand. They think that we're in charge of this kind of thing. Uh, and having this kind of allocation sort of muddle things up as to what our real duties are as members of parliament. So I do support the idea that we need to taper this out of the system. But tapering is the word. You know, it has to go slowly. If you do a 70% cut reduction which is what they're doing this year, is highly disruptive to the expectations of the community and also to the management of funds of my office. Because now we have to re-budget everything uh, with $1 million instead of, you know, instead of planning for $3.5 million to spend. So we are going through a budget process. We are engaging our constituents. And, of course, there are many are very disappointed, of course. But 
I hope they can understand. And I hope that the government, you know, my government will at least revise it back a bit. You know, don't cut the two million completely, maybe cut 30, 40 percent. Then, you know, at least we have 1.2 or 1.3 to run this year. And then next year, bring it down to 800,000. So and so forth. After the third year, it should be zero because having constituency money or community money can influence election. And you don't want that. Yeah, you don't want to be uh, Santa Claus just before election to spend his money. Therefore, people vote for you. So on principle, it needs to be reduced. Uh, but the best way to do it is to taper it over a period of three years. And what other resources does an MP have to meet the needs of the constituents, the constituents beyond this allocation that we're discussing? Nothing. I mean, no. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, when we were in the opposition, and this is where it's a highly contentious issue, these allocations are actually given to members of parliament who are pro-government or, or supportive of the government, right? The only other instance was when we signed an MOU, uh, you know, to, to support the Ismail Sabri government, so we were given equal allocation, right? But if you don't have this allocation, then the members of parliament are, are essentially, it will, it will cease to exist as a welfare office or a development office. In some areas... I agree, in the rural areas where the JKR is missing or the clinic itself is too small or the Jabatan Kebajikan is not, not non-existent, then those people in the rural areas do need some allocation. Uh, what that amount is, the government should go down the ground and ask, is it 1 million, is it 2 million, and then create a mechanism where they are audited properly so that you know that the money is then not stolen, you know, and that they are they're compelled to report uh, at an audit level uh, every six months or every three months or every every year. Yeah, I think if you put those mechanisms in place, the allegations that, you know, some members of parliament are dipping into these funds for their own personal gains, uh, you know, uh, can be minimised and, and eradicated. So what is the process then? Um, if you need extra allocations, you know, can you appeal? How long will it take? And what are some of the challenges along the way? Okay, so, so for instance, someone comes in and say, "Look, I, you know, I can't survive. I can't make it. You know, I've, I'm, I've, I've been uh, redundant. Uh, you know, I've, I've got a sickness. I can't work. I've got four kids." Then what we do is, without the funding available to dispense, say, find it instantaneously, what we do then is we call up JKM, the, the Jabatan Kebajikan, the Welfare Department, and get them into the Welfare Department uh, system. Right? Most of the time, the Welfare Department system gives on average about $300 a month to support these families. It's not enough. You know, it's really not enough. Um, you know, if something happens, someone falls sick, then they, they come to our office. So I, I think, um, <laughs> you know, other than doing this kind of referrals and, and uh, you know, give surat sukongan for repair of school toilets and this kind of thing, it's not very effective. It's not really effective. But... These these kind of problems are real. I mean, I I don't you know even in Subang, which is a very middle class area, I mean, people do come up here and they tell their story, and my officers, from time to time, will break down and cry. You know, um, these are real challenges in your life. So, I think that there is a requirement for us to to step in there and give some financial aid, but you can't ask the members of parliament to take it up from their pocket, right? Because we we have to we have to have an earning. You know, we have to pay tax. We have to make sure our children are, are fed. So, you know, a lot of people don't understand this this concept. If it comes up from our pocket, 
Then the temptation, the members of parliament will seek other source of income, whether from some Datu Sri, Tan Sri, you know, some chairmanship in some sort of GLC or whatever. That's even worse. That scenario is even worse, right? So, you know, uh, please, the, the, the listeners out there do understand this is not a preferred thing, but in the Malaysian context, it is a requirement. If the civil service buck up and can deliver repairs to infrastructure within three to six months, then we don't need any of this. If the Kabajikan Welfare Department can give special dispensation and give 500 ringgit more for that particular month to a, to a person who is in dire need, then we don't need to be dispensing that money. It's not our job. Yeah. So, so for, for I think, not just you can't be members of parliament and ask us to, to rationalise our, our spending and community fund to be reduced over time. We also need to see at the same time performance of the government services, uh, welfare, infrastructure repairs, to also increase and take over that job from us. Wang Chun, thanks for speaking with us today. Yeah, you're most welcome. We've been speaking with MP for Subang, Wong Chen, on the issue of uh, MPs getting their constituency funds cut by 2 million ringgit. Uh, do send your thoughts through on that. You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.